When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, Pat, uh, you wrote about it in the Star Tribune. Bob Knight, uh, legendary college basketball figure. One of, one, of the, one of the figures I think that people feel comfortable talking about, the good and the bad, when yes. they pass away pretty comfortably. Yeah, he, uh, he had been uh, Alzheimer's. I, I don't know. I think it was dementia of some case for four or five years. He was slipping a lot. And, you know, Tom Swanson's a good friend of mine, and I talked to him, the hunting partner of his, and... Uh, he told me he called a couple of weeks ago to try to talk to him, and his wife said that, um, yeah, he was not good. But uh, I, I don't know. I, dementia seems to bring on other maladies. I don't know. I don't know what it was that uh, killed him. But uh, the, the most the most common thing you heard when people talked about him was the fact he had dementia. And uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, uh, he was... Uh, he was most one of them, you know, I'm not saying that I know and knew him well, but I certainly was around him enough to know what a crazy, uh, interesting guy he was. I mean, you never knew. And he was one of those guys that the more successful, the more angry, not the more angry, but the more difficult he would make things he was uh, he was one of those guys that until he won it all i think he just his tensions would just increase as they uh, got closer to going to another final four or something like that i was out that uh, i was out of we, we must have been having it yeah he, he made the final four here right in the first time 92 right yep. and yep. uh and lost lost to duke right did he mm-hmm. lose to do? And uh, which was tough for him because Krzyzewski was, he and Krzyzewski had kind of split by then. And, uh, you know, once big buddies. And I, but I was out in Boise when we were covering like, uh, I think first round, second round, and LSU had a really good team. And, uh, and he ran a D, Dale Brown, who couldn't coach uh, at all but it was a really good recruiter was running that crazy zone defense of his and night guys ate that thing up. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then, you know, he beat him. He didn't like Dale cause he thought he cheated. So he, uh, he, uh, you know, he was, he just came in and was just a complete jackass at the interview after they beat LSU. I mean, he was just one of those days when he was going to, you couldn't, he couldn't be at, if you said, Hey, it was kind of a nice sunny day today, Bobby. He'd argue with you about that. It was one of those days where you could not ask him a question. 
Yeah. He was, um, yeah, he was one of the most unique guys of all time. That's for sure. There's a, I saw, I saw a story on uh, Twitter yesterday. There's an author named Luke Eplin who wrote a book called our team about the 1948 Cleveland Indians. That's the last Indians team to win the world series with Larry Doby and Bob Lemon, uh, Bob Feller, Satchel Paige was on that team. And uh, so Bob, Bob Knight was born in Ohio and grew up a huge Indians fan. Indians fan. Right. Yeah. And even in his dementia years here, the last couple of years. So uh, the author Luke was at the Negro League Museum in Kansas City a couple of years ago. And and somehow he caught wind that like Bob Knight came in recently and mentioned he was a huge Indians fan. So the author mm-hmm. mailed Bob Knight his book about the 1948 yes. Indians. And Bob called him and they would have these like they had these conversations where like Bob didn't know where he was really like yeah. mentally but he knew the 1948 <laughs> Indians he yes. could tell you who the third baseman was who you know the the rotation and everything big baseball guy uh cheetah went on uh, facebook somebody sent it to me and how he ran into bob and bob knew how to pronounce his name and they talked you know he was you know effusive in his praise and had a hundred thousand questions about baseball and uh yeah well you know he and mussy grew up as rivals high school rivals and uh and that the their dislike for each other went back to then you know Mm. went back to then and okay i'll tell you the truth about this the st paul paper we had a guy named mark tierney who was uh writing a he was the he put out the the uh, the the dispatch in the afternoon but he also would write these periodic notesy columns and when when uh night first came to town in 1972 to play musselman's team the first big 10 game for both guys and uh, it was going to be a defensive war because Bobby was all about defense then, and Musselman had written a book about defense. He was, and uh, and Tierney basically talked to him and about the rivalry at night, but then he threw in some quotes that Musselman never said about how I kicked his rear end then and I'll kick his rear end again. And then, and then Knight, Knight was enraged about that. And then, of course, the brawl was against Ohio State, and Fred Taylor had been Knight's coach, and that was it. Those two were like mortal enemies because uh, Knight was, uh, you know, Knight, the, the brawl was just drove Knight crazy, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was a beauty. There's no doubt about it. What's the best meltdown that, that you saw in person? Did you ever see one? Uh, well, yeah, I guess the first night. January 8th, the, the, the Brewer blocks a shot at the buzzer. He thought it was a foul. I think it probably was, but the guy wasn't going to call. There were 19,000 in Williams Arena that night, you know, that was nuts. And you got to remember, Gopher basketball was drawing 6,000 a game before Musselman came to town. And one month later, they're playing Indiana, and it's it, people are nuts. And he called it, and Bobby, the guy, I think it was Orlando Polisi or something, was one of, a, well, a prominent Big Ten referee. Didn't call it. Knight chased him down the steps. At, uh, you know, Knight ran off the court and was chasing him down the steps. He was going to do mayhem to him. So um, that was, I, I, saw, I saw a few, I guess, uh, 
uh, here and there. But uh, the, the funny thing is, as I, as I said in that column today, when Clem beat him by 50, uh, yes. 106, 56, second half, he just sat down and on the bench like this, sat down on the bench and just looked, never got up, never got up. He'd get up for the timeouts. The, the stops, but he never said, didn't say anything to his team. They just, you know, they just walked around. He just took the beating. And, uh, well, here's here's my favorite story. And I talked to Clem about this. Uh, Clem had to, uh, that terrible team, the Tim Hansen team. Remember the Tim Hansen team? Iron because five. they only had like five, you know, they were awful. Yep. And they had a beat in Indiana. And they I think they only won two or three games that year in uh the Big Ten, they had a beat at Assembly Hall, a really good team. And there's about 40 seconds to go, and the ball goes out of bounds, and the Gophers are going to get the ball back, and they're going to be like three up, right? And they're going to have to foul them probably. And they and Knight gets up, and there's a referee named Sam Litliker, Litliker, uh, Lit, L-I-T-L-I-C-K-E-R, Litliker. And Knight gets up and I'm sitting, the, the little press thing there was like right next to him. And he calls him every filthy name in the book. And the guy changes the call and gives the ball to Indiana. Oh. And Clem throws his jacket and doesn't get teed up. They didn't tee him up because they knew how bad they were robbing him. And Indiana ends up winning the game. And, uh, I think I referred to him in my column as Sam Bootlicker, but uh, but uh, after that one, but it was it was a crazy night with Clem, and then I ended up riding the team bus from uh, from Bloomington to Columbus because overnight, because that was when you played two game series on a you know one week you were home and you played you had your travel partners right, you had our travel partner was Iowa, so if you came to you came to Minnesota on Thursday. You played in uh, Iowa City on for, on Saturday. That's a, you know it was a ten team league, and Columbus and Ohio State were were partners. Penn State wasn't in the league yet, and uh, and and I, I sat up there next to Clem and for three hours. He spent the first hour complaining about the referees, and then the next two hours telling stories about his youth growing up in segregated Kentucky and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a, he got away with murder though. Dutcher was telling me yesterday they'd have these mandatory meetings with Big Ten coaches. You know, all ten had to go and report to Wayne Duke's office and discuss the season. And Knight would not show up. He'd be hunting someplace in in October. You know, hunting someplace. And Duke would say every year he'd say, "Okay." He had an excuse this year, but next year he'll have to be here. And he never showed. He said, that said the next year there'd be nine of us there again. Bobby just, you know, he had his own rules and he lived by them. And, and everybody's talking about how he sent, made sure everybody did, went to class, got everybody graduated, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he was, he was hard-nosed on that. But when he got Isaiah, all the rules were off the table. The legend is Isaiah went to class when he wanted to. Isaiah only stayed two years, but he knew how damn good Isaiah was, and he put up with it. So like most of them, you know, who are the real disciplinarians, they have their rules unless some guy's really, really good. <laughs> and Isaiah was, you know, 
Well, the, the other story that I've heard a, a few times here, like today and last night, is about so Bob Knight coached the 1984 U.S. Men's Olympic basketball team. This is this is like you know eight years before the dream team, but Michael Jordan yeah. was the best player on that '84 team, and uh, the the so Bob Knight was famously telling people in the media then, maybe you remember this, that he was first on the Michael Jordan is the best player I've ever yes. seen bandwagon. Yeah, I, was, I covered those Olympics. Yeah, it was, he was, and, he was and, effusive. Yeah. So apparently, and you know, obviously, uh, Elijah Juan was, was slated to be the number one pick for Houston in that draft in 84. Mm-hmm. And then the Blazers had the second pick and they had Clyde Drexler on their roster. So they need a center. And <laughs> the general manager for Portland <laughs> yes. talks to Bob Knight on the phone and says, hey, what would you do? You know, we need a big man. We've got Clyde Drexler. And Bob Knight says, you should draft Michael Jordan. He's the best He's the best player I've ever seen. And they say, well, we already have yeah. Clyde Drexler. We need a center. He goes, then play Michael Jordan at center. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he was right about that. Who was the guy? Sam. Uh, Sam Bowie. Bowie. Sam Bowie, who was yeah. who was lazy and, uh, and uh, ineffective. Yeah, probably the worst draft decision ever made. And right there, right there, because... You know, everybody knew uh, knew how fantastic Jordan was going to be, but he was uh, he was an interesting cat. I've told you these guys about. I've told you guys about. Uh, I covered my one Kentucky Derby, and I'm sitting in this little barbecue joint in in Kentucky on Friday night by myself, and Hubert Mizell and Dave Kindred walk in, and and Knight, you know, had Sid in his pocket, but he there was about twelve or. 13 of these guys are David Israel from Chicago was one of his guys. Uh, Hubert and Kindred were, were, you know, Hubert was from Tampa and, uh, or St. Pete and, uh, and Kindred was from around, but he was from Louisville and they, they were his guys too. And uh, this is, uh, I'm not, I mean, sometime in the eighties because, uh, or maybe early nineties because uh, uh, the, uh, he was remarried by then and Nancy was gone and uh, this Karen was up there, but they come in and they say, uh, Hey, can we sit down? I said, sure. And then he says, uh, coach Knight is joining us. And I said, Oh, that'll be interesting. And, uh, so they came in and, and, uh, you know, it did, they carried the conversation and then he asked me about Sid and I said, Oh, he's still crazy and mean. And he said, Oh, that's good. So, and the wife was really a nice gal. And, uh, it just we didn't discuss controversial things and uh but the next day i came on saturday sports talk and said that uh you know whenever bobby and i are at the kentucky derby together we like to have dinner on friday night and uh you know we we, we kind of like to have dinner on friday night and then suit says did he mention sid and i said no no he really i think i think that's all overstated i think that's just sid uh you know taking advantage, hoping that somehow this would get back to Sid. And it did, because Sunday morning he started his show, apparently, by saying, Rice, he doesn't even know Bobby Knight. And and Mona has no idea what the hell he's talking about, nor do his listeners. But uh, it, uh, it worked uh, greatly. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, we, we back then – always covered the final four. I didn't cover it all the time, but somebody at the paper covered the final four. So I went quite a few and then we'd cover regionals, you know, regionals, even, even if it wasn't coming here, you know, sometimes we had it, had it here, but, uh, and, uh, you know, so I was around him in addition to 
when he came to Williams Arena, and then a couple of couple three road games maybe down there in Indiana. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. He was uh, John Rowe. You know, John Rowe had him out to dinner at the house. And was really tight with him there for a while. He and Augie were, you know, Mike Augustine or Knight got along great with Augie because Augie just, you know, was harmless. He was just did his job and and uh and John Curry there was a big feud going with SI, Curry Kirkpatrick, the reporter there. And uh I was just talking to John ten minutes ago, I knew about this, but uh but the the sports editor at the Star at the Tribune, Star Tribune, uh uh Gary Libman told him that he had to call up night and ask him about the feud with Curry Kirkpatrick. And uh, and uh, uh, from Sports Illustrated, and John told him, "Okay, I will, but that'll be the end." And then uh, John called him up. He said the loudest noise he's ever heard was Bobby hanging up the phone, and they were done for that. <laughs> that was the end, you know. So it was, uh, yeah, he was a. Uh, you know, everybody thinks that he was, uh, you know, he did, he had his good side and he did have his good side, but and a great coach and all that stuff. But he was a uh, thin skid man mad when he wanted to be. That was for sure. So mm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but, hey, uh, some, so, just to switch the subject real quick here, Pat, before we go, we're getting some echo on this. So hopefully this isn't too distracting, but uh, the Rangers in five, I'm trying to think of who predicted Rangers in five. What? Fat chubby expert uh, said uh, said the Rangers in five. That was it. Yeah, I never thought it'd be the Rangers in five when they showed up. The most is this the most amazing stat in baseball playoff history? Ten and zero on the road. How can yeah. that be possible? How's that possible? It's amazing. So how many did they lose at home then? They they didn't lose that many, but they need to win. They lost uh, the Houston series. They lost them all, right? They lost. Yep. They yep. lost, they lost like three. four at home total. Lost three, and then they lost another one. How do you win ten road games? It's it's in, without with basically two starting pitchers, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. And uh, my friend Wicker, uh, Brian Mark Wicker, sent me uh, a thing saying that the headline in today's front page of the Dallas papers said. Dak needs protection. Rangers win. <laughs> you know, so, but I would think they're going crazy down there after finally all these years, uh, you know, the winning the World Series. So it's not like they've had a lot of chances. They had the, the good clubs with Ron Wash there a couple of years, but it's not, not exactly that they've had heartbreak in the postseason or stuff like that. So, so uh, I, I saw a, a, a stat last night that the – franchise now with the longest drought because the Rangers were obviously the Senators too in 1961 when the Twins came here. The Minnesota Vikings now have the longest time with no championship and having a franchise. Uh, Oh, 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 I see. The the expansion type teams after the Vikings haven't. Detroit though. Detroit's never won one. Oh, no, but from they're time... giving the they're giving the, yes. What are they giving the Lions credit for? They oh, they're give... giving the Lions for fifty-seven or whatever. Yeah. You know, fifty-seven. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Without the longest, without ever winning a championship. Okay. Well, 
we got something going for us then. Dang it. What the, what the heck? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's been quite a drought around here. There's no doubt about it, but that, uh, I was trying to explain to uh, Katie last night, the, the history of this Washington franchise. Somebody just sent this out on Twitter. In 1972, the Texas Rangers had hot pants night at the, they had a hot pants contest at the ballpark to try to get some people there. Uh, I don't think those are coming back. I, I, I don't think that's happening. But, uh, halter tops are, are on the, the way, Patrick. Twins, the Twins halter top day is still my favorite promotion of all time. Especially the cheap nature of the halter tops. These yep. were... These were not exactly reliable covering that they, that they had that they had with these little cloth things that cost them about twenty five cents a piece. But uh, yeah, you know, Mad Men is a documentary, fellas. It's not a satire. It's a documentary of uh, of how things were. That's for sure. Yep. So, All right, Pat. What, uh, hey, uh, Wolfie's. Uh, oh man, I bought, looked pretty good last night. It's. Uh, you know, that's the best. The best. That's the best win I've seen watching the Timberwolves in my life. I can tell you that right there. That was, doesn't it's get not, any better than uh, that. It's not. Uh, they're 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 what all NBA teams are unpredictable, right? And and Denver kind of mailed one in last night. So hey, it was better than blowing another twenty point lead. That was for sure. I'll tell you what, though, we had the patented. So I was I was there just like in the media section, and you could feel it in the arena. So they had a twenty one point lead. Yes. And it gets down to about 15 in the third quarter. And it was this hush of doom throughout Target Center. Oh, my God. Here we go again. Did Cat uh, kind of figure a few things out last night, though? Didn't you think? A little bit. He, he got, go classic, the... classic foul trouble in a big game in the first yeah. quarter. But then he, he did come back, and, and he was he played good defense on Jokic, and he and he did, did a good job scoring in the paint. So Yeah, and it was – yeah, they let, him, they let him try to score in the paint. Which, there's still the – there's no solution to having him and Gobert on the floor at the same time, I believe. I don't – you know, because he's, he's not – he can't play just circling out on the perimeter. He's got a cat's got to start inside, get outside. And, uh, I I don't know what they're going to do, but it's a it's a forty one million dollar mistake that's going to get more expensive by the year. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So, all, all right, right Pat. We'll well, uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, and we'll preview the big Jaron Hall versus Taylor Heineke matchup. Yeah, on I see that uh, Taylor is. Taylor is playing quarterback not because somebody's hurt. That's how shaky things are in Atlanta. So, yep, all right, good yes. luck to everybody. All right, yeah, see you, thanks, Pat. Man. There it is, Roycey Unchained. Some great Bob Knight stories. We'll see you guys later.